Welcome to the Plant Witch Podcast, where we enter together into the web of life in all of its many seen and unseen dimensions. I'm Erin Schrader, owner of the Rebel Herbalist, and it is my honor to hold this portal to the other world. Let's enter, shall we? just returned from a two-week pilgrimage in Ireland. As soon as I got home, I developed symptoms of COVID. So if my voice sounds a little strange this week, that's why. I'm glad to report that we're doing really well, and we have an extremely mild form of COVID. but it is a parting souvenir from our time in the Emerald Isles. I feel like I'll be spending the rest of my life unpacking the experiences we had in Ireland. We traveled from Dublin to Galway to Dingle to the Aran Islands to County Mayo. We were sort of all over the place. Um, for those two weeks that we were abroad. We were met with such incredible hospitality and kindness from the Irish people. One particular conversation that really stands out to me was with an older gentleman in his 60s who said, oh, you're from America. You know, your country is founded on this idea of inclusivity and equality. It's such a beautiful idea. It has inspired the whole world. And yet, the rot has set in right under your feet. The rot. I've been playing with that um, since he told us while we were driving around Inishmore, one of the um, islands off the coast of Galway, the largest island um, of the Aran Islands. And Aran means kidneys. Spiritually, the Aran Islands were considered the kidneys of Ireland, the place to go for purification and balance for the early monks who made their home um, in Ireland and the surrounding areas. So we're, this, we're on this island of purification on a spiritual pilgrimage talking to an elder priest who tells me the rot has set in the rot years ago I was working with some wounds in my family ancestry I was doing a lot of ancestry research and I was trying to figure out a particular strain of cruelty um, that I saw in my family. We all have a strain, you know, and I was working on my family's strain. 
And I had a dream from my grandfather who said in the dream, the women of our family have been over pruned. And in that over pruning, a rot has gotten into the heartwood. There was that rot. And um, hearing this elder priest on the Aran Islands talk about the rot in America and the United States and our culture reminded me of this message from my grandfather about the rot that had gotten into the heartwood of the women in my family. So the definition of rot is to decay, to decompose, to break down, to submit to the forces of bacteria and fungus that would dismantle, disassemble. And as I play with the definition of rot, I start to wonder if it's actually such a bad thing for this country to rot for my family to rot? Is it such a bad thing for us to become compost? Is it such a bad thing for us to give over all of this rigidity and form and structure to the wild chaos of mycelial hyphae? Is it such a bad thing to let all of this dreamed of success and progress fall to the creeping fruiting bodies of mushrooms and the green lush carpets of moss and the plantain sprouting up and you know is it such a bad thing for all of this projected success and wealth and perfection to be reclaimed by the reclaimers of this world, the fungus, the bacteria, the vulture. I've been following the work of Sophie Strand for a while now. She has written a lot of powerful essays and they're coming out in a book um, this year, later this year, and the book is called The Flowering Wand, Lunar Kings, Lichenized Lovers, Transspecies magicians and rhizomatic harpists heal the masculine. Um, and she has this sort of cosmology of the fungal kingdom being the kingdom of God. I have signed up for a class with her um, in July and August called Myth and Mycelium, where she'll be weaving together the mythology of Christianity with the ecology of the fungal kingdom. This to me feels like an antidote. This reclaiming of the ecological nature of our existence. In this way, we can reclaim the rot. We can acknowledge that ways of being are coming to an end, are dying. In my family line, the way of pruning is coming to an end. It is time for us to offer that to the nature of decomposition. Let it compost into a new 
and life-giving way of raising girls in our family. In this country, the United States, the way we've done capitalism, built on a foundation of empire, genocide, oppression, it is time to give that to the compost, to allow the bacteria and the fungus to do their magic and create a rich black loam for something new to be born. But the problem with rot, the problem with compost is it smells bad. You know, there are flies. It's a mess. It doesn't look nice. It's out of control. We have exiled those things from our lives. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to smell that. Nobody wants to accept those sights, sounds, smells, experiences. So we can't let the actual cleansing <laughs> um, of these forces do their work. Because, you know, a compost pile is incredibly clean when it's done its work. It smells wonderful. It's deeply nourishing. It's, it, But it has to be allowed to fester for a while. <laughs> and it needs some help. It needs turned. It needs the right balance of nutrients. It needs the right amount of moisture. Sorry if you could hear my dog chewing himself in the background there. It was very appealing. <laughs> but it goes right along with this. Um, I don't want to hear this stuff. <laughs> I don't want to experience this gross stuff. Well, in life, this, these things will happen. Dogs will chew themselves and <laughs> things will rot. So how do we take this a really important and powerful metaphor of the rot as compost, as a life-giving process to end something so something new can be born and apply it to what is happening in our country in the United States today and what is happening in all countries that are built on a patriarchal overuse of power that oppresses, that separates and divides, that makes sure some have a lot while others have not enough. How do we apply the ecological wisdom of compost and purification to these endings that need to happen. If you're a backyard gardener and you have a compost pile, you know that you have to sort of get the compost going by adding raw materials, things that are dead or dying or past their prime, you know, the wilted lettuce, the turnips that are starting to get fuzzy mold on them, the eggshells, the coffee grounds, the grass clippings, you add the raw materials, the things that are ready to be let go of, and you put them in a sheltered, out-of-the-way place, and you turn them, and you add moisture, and you add the right amount of brown versus green components, and you tend the compost. You tend the turning. And in that way, that mindful attentiveness, it happens more quickly, it happens more completely, and the results are a deep rich, beautiful compost that you can add back to your garden. If we don't 
attend to our compost. We just sort of throw things out there. It will eventually compost, just much more slowly um, and more unpleasantly, generally. So what are the things here in the United States that we could start off throwing in our compost pile? We know are broken, are rotten, are growing a mold. Well, racism, of course. We know and we have known that that is a, a rotten element. How do we throw that in the compost? Money in politics. Corporate personhood. That needs to go in the compost pile. We all know that. Profiteering in healthcare. Compost pile. There are things we all agree on that are not working, that are adding to the the smell of the place. Um, how do we get those elements out of our day-to-day um, living room, right? And into a well-tended compost pile. Of course, we don't have to do these things. We don't have to be mindful. We don't have to work together to gather up these rotting principles and compost them mindfully. We can let them sit in our living room and we can be surrounded by the stench and the flies and the maggots of what is rotting from the inside. That is a choice that we have as a people. And we know that if we don't tend what is rotting, it spreads disease. We'll get sick and sicker. Because those bacteria and fungi, the same ones that would turn what is dying into something beautiful and new life, can also turn us into what is dying. So we have a choice. We always have a choice. But the rot is here. Whether we choose to see it and gather it up and compost it into something beautiful, or whether we choose to sit in our own filth and be overcome with the smell and the disease of that rot, that is our choice. Or whether we decide to pick up that moldy turnip and throw it at a neighbor, just slinging our rot around. You know, while I was... um, sick with COVID. I was quarantined and didn't have a lot to do. I'd read a few books already. I was pretty bored. So I found myself in the vortex of TikTok. (laughs) I don't really go into TikTok because I know when I do, I need an extraction plan. Like somebody, I'm, I'm going into TikTok, come and get me in 10 minutes. Otherwise I'll be there for three hours and not even know I've been in TikTok for three hours. But I went into TikTok because I had nothing else to do. And I saw a whole lot of rot slinging going on. This whole genre of Karen videos, you know, like, um, and I hate to say that because my mom's name is Karen and it's such a travesty for a woman named Karen that this has taken off as a symbol of the angry entitled white woman. But when I say it, you know what I mean. There's this whole genre, this whole channel almost of women um, just tantruming and just, just slinging their rot at each other. The heart, the heartwood has been compromised, you know? 
And there are whole channels about neighbors warring with each other over lawn waste and boundaries of their properties and how loud to play your music. And they are slinging their rot at each other. Here in my own town, um, a high school teacher was in a dispute with her neighbor over God knows what, and he shot her and killed himself after one of these disputes. These disputes that are shown openly on TikTok. They're slinging their rot at each other. And this particular strain of rot is what my friend calls aggrieved entitlement. And it is a classic characteristic of the American persona. Um, I don't know if it's as prominent in other parts of the world. I haven't traveled extensively enough to know, but here in the United States, we have this belief that each and every one of us is a king or queen of our own property, our own destiny, and uh, we're all entitled to have everything we want at the moment that we want it. And if we don't get what we want, we're aggravated by that. So there's this aggrieved entitlement. How dare you not make my life exactly how I want it to be? I am the Lord of my existence. (laughs) And so we don't cooperate well with one another. And in fact, when someone violates our lordship, we get really um, obsessed with vengeance, which is what's created these neighboring rivalries between people who live in the same development or share yards or whatever, and they're constantly trying to one-up each other. This is not new human behavior, of course. I mean, we have stories like this of, you know, neighboring chieftains um, in Ireland, you know, who had these rivalries and wars with each other, and they would raid each other's cattle, and they would kidnap each other's children, and um, the Native Americans did this kind of thing, too. So this is human nature, right? We know this. And we know it is rot. We know that we, are, we have the proclivity of acting this way. And a wise society creates safeguards around this human behavior so that we can compost it. But what we're doing is elevating it to entertainment. And then people are killing themselves and each other. So how do we compost this? You know, there is never an easy answer. If there was an easy answer, there wouldn't be a question. (laughs) But I will continue to hold this in my mind and think of it as I turn my own compost pile. And I will continue to look out into the world and into my own life for the rotten fruit for the places where the rot is getting in. You know, going back to my grandpa's analogy of pruning too tight, pruning too close to the the trunk. Pruning is necessary, you know? We do prune our fruit trees um, or the stress of um, the branches growing in the wrong directions or rubbing against each other or being too full is, is a harm to the tree. How do we prune mindfully without overpruning? Like what are the parts of our lives that we want to have more control over? There's a benefit to that. You know, in nature, browsing herbivores are the pruners. I go in my own forest and I see the bunnies and the deer have pruned back 
a lot of the trees and the brambles and the bushes and the plants. Pruning is a natural and important part of the process of growth. But how do we do it in a way that doesn't kill the tree, that doesn't cause this incredible damage? I'm giving you more questions than answers today, but I would love to hear your thoughts. So if this is sparking some thought in you, some idea, please reach out. Send me an email at therebelherbalist at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram at therebelherbalist and drop me a DM. I, I spend a lot of my time thinking about things like this. And I would just love to hear how it lands for you. What, what you think we need to throw in the compost bin. How do we tend the compost in a mindful way so that something new and beautiful can grow? What is a way that we acknowledge our human nature and work within it so that it's not so destructive. And how do you get yourself out of TikTok once you're in there? (laughs) But thank you for tuning in and we'll keep unraveling these threads as we live through the collapse of empire together. Facebook, The Rebel Herbalist. Thank you for joining.